0: So we're in this series called A Vertical Story and where some of you say, oh, I might recognize that video. Um, We've done this series before and it's gonna be a series that we do annually. And so every year we'll do a series talking about the values of Vertical Church. And part of it is, it's our story. This is our story. Um, And our stories change a lot. You know, as I thought about it, you know, throughout the week and as we put these sermons together, um, our stories change and they they should change. That's a good thing. Um, For me, what I valued when I was 20 probably don't value as much now at 31. Uh, I have another kid coming. What I value, uh, even years ago, a couple years ago, I value different now because you know, you have kids and whatever. And so things are different. I drive a minivan now, you know, like you just have different priorities and values. And so it's okay that your story changes. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think, you know, like we're so good at making lists as Christians, like, Oh, okay, I'm a believer and I'm going to, make this list and this God list. And I believe in writing the vision and all that kind of stuff. But then a lot of times it goes sideways or it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Or all of a sudden you find yourself in a different place. You're a Joseph. All of a sudden like, hey, you're excited to go home and show people your jacket and you've been blessed. The next thing you know, you were beaten by your brothers and left in a pit. You're like, what? <laughs> and it happens a lot. Like all of a sudden your story is a lot different than you wrote it in terms of your like Christian journal and your plans and your... So you have to be able to say okay, God, what, what's going on in all this? Like, you know, what, what, what am I learning here? What am I harvesting from these stories or from this time in my life? And so it's very good for us to talk about our story because I think we have to keep an eye on it. I think you always have to be looking. The scripture says, let a man examine himself. Like we need to sit down and go take inventory of all the pieces in our life and, 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 and reshuffle things. I think that's important. And so um, talking about our vertical story, we've talked about um, our story should be one that gives glory unto God. Essentially, the name of our church is, hey, we should live in a way that our story is vertical. It's giving glory unto God. What we do um, is is going up to God. Every decision we make, every interaction we have, we say, hey, I want to do this for unto the glory of God, vertical. And I think that's how we should interact with each other. Loving others towards God is our tagline or our byline of this church. We say vertical story or vertical church, loving others towards God. I think if we have this mindset of like, hey, every interaction I want to have with you is going to be in a way that it elevates you or or it lifts you up or it raises you up or builds you up, that's living vertical with one another. I think that's the best way to live. Somebody say amen. And so we keep talking about our stories and why they matter and good, bad, and ugly, I think God can use all of it. Obviously, I know he can use all of it. The scripture says that um, it doesn't really matter what you go through because God can use all things for the glory. He can use all things unto his glory. And so what the enemy meant for evil, God can use for his glory or to bring benefit in your life. And I think all of us have those moments where we just got punched in the gut or just knocked out in life. And in the moment, You would go, ah, man, this is the worst. I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. But when you get out of it and you look back at it five years, ten years from then, you kind of go, you know what? I actually wouldn't give that back because now I've been able to help this person or I've helped this person or whatever. And I think if you can keep an internal mindset or a kingdom mindset that says, I don't understand it, like that song said. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I can't figure it out right now. But I know this, your promises are true. Your promises, are, okay? And so I think too many times in church culture, what we do, and I'm being a little redundant, but what we do is we say, we read a book or we read a devotional or we read this study and we go, wow, that guy says I can have like the perfect, cleanest, most amazing 10-step Christian life. And we read that. And then when it's not that, we want to throw it all away. And "Ah, God is not for me. I don't know. And and, and so I think if we can have the eternal kingdom mindset that goes, in this, you are God. Uh, One John the Baptist said, um, gosh, is it? Yeah, it said, they're having this conversation. He's in jail and he sends word to Jesus and he says, hey, uh, you know, I'm stuck here or whatever. And Jesus' response is, blessed are those who are not offended by me. And you're like, what? That doesn't fit in a... Joel Osteen book, you know, like, and I I love Joel Osteen. I think he's doing incredible things. I'm not here to come against any of that. But a lot of times we go to the Christian bookstore and we get this book that is like everything is flowers and perfect and doves and angels. And then we have these moments where it's like, wait, the response is just blessed if I'm not offended by you, you know? And, And so it's important again for us to like look at our story as a whole and trust that God is in it because then God will bring you through some really incredible things. And so Today, I want to focus on this one idea that is this. There is no our story. There is no our story without his story. There is no our story without his story, and there is no his story without the cross. So a lot of times at Easter, a lot of times at whatever, we start ramping up on the cross, the cross, oh, the cross, and the old Rugged Cross song was in our wedding. Like, we picked a couple songs, and I love that song so much. I love the cross. I love that. And so I'm not downplaying any of that at all, but a lot of times we've made it just another Christian catchphrase. Like, well, just take up your cross, just take up your cross. And we just turn it into this catchphrase of things. But it is the linchpin. It is the the foundation. It is the everything to your story, to my story, to Christ's story. The cross is everything. And the thing with the cross is that... Um, it's not only just an event that happened, because it is an event that happened, but it's symbolic and it's also like a representation of how we're sort of called to walk. Are we all called to hang on a cross and die? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that there, there's images or there's things, because we're all Christ-like, we're all called to be like Christ, there are steps that Jesus took that we're called to be like Christ and walk through. And that's why the scripture says we're called to, what, take up our cross. Like we talk about that. We say that very nonchalant, like, oh, I'm taking up my cross. But today I want to look at what that looks like for us, to take up your cross and follow him, to, to be a person who it's not I that live, but it's Christ that live in me. What does that look like in your story? Because isn't it interesting? I think you can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm gonna to choose to follow him and I'm gonna go after it and you become a Christian and you can do that and you can sort of put on all those bumper stickers and t-shirts and not identify with the cross. I think you can try to walk it out and do your devotions but, but not identify with the cross and the death, burial and the resurrection and all of those things that are provided for you. We'll kind of talk about it here in just a minute. All of those things you can sort of skip out on and I'll prove it here in a minute but the cross is everything. The cross is absolutely everything. It would be like, hey, you know, today I'm going to decide, you know, I'm going I'm I'm to be a basketball player. I'm going to play basketball. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to get my jersey. I'm going to get my shoes. I'm going to get my stuff and I'm going to watch the game film and I'm going to get together some teammates and we're going to put everything together. We're going to have everything in place, but what we're not going to do is play the game. We're not going to put the game into a part of our life. We're just going to do a lot of the other things around it. And I think that can happen often in Christianity. Like, hey, I want to be a Christian. I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm going to be whatever. But we don't look at the provision or we don't look closely at all the access that you've gained through the cross and through the things that Jesus died. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about I believe that because Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says that by his stripes we are healed because of that happening on the cross, I believe you physically can be healed in your life through prayer. Amen. But oftentimes it's like, oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. And I got this thing. And we leave the cross out of it. We leave it at Easter or we leave it in a story or we leave it in a devotion versus going, I'm sick cross because of the cross. I don't have to stay sick. I can get through the scripture and I can pray and I can believe and I can, that's what I'm talking about. Oftentimes we leave the cross back there instead of making it a part of our story because it's a part of his story, amen? Finances, you know, you're struggling, like, oh, we're broke, what are we gonna do? I'm depressed, what am I gonna do? I'll tell you what you do, you lean back on the cross and the blood and all the things that Jesus did to provide for you and you break through. Somebody say amen. That's how you leave the cross back is where we just go, it happened, it's a story, it's a thing, instead of going, like, how do I take all of the things that Jesus provided for me and make them a part of my life? Do we get healed every time we pray right away? Probably not. Do you you pray, and then, like, money shows up, FedEx? No. Like, it is a grind. That's what I'm talking about. It is our story. It's a faith journey that we walk. But to say, I don't want to be a part of it, it's too much work, or it's too much believing, then you've left out the game, the basketball game. You've left out the whole thing of being a Christ follower. What God did on the cross to provide for you, you throw it all away. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. So the cross provided for us not only our salvation, we believe it. It saved us from hell. We have the opportunity to access him as our Lord and Savior. Um, But it also provided for us real life change, real life opportunity. Uh, I, I notice, you know, there's a lot of people that they'll call themselves Christians or they'll come to Christ or they'll start down this journey and they say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And then they lack life change. You know, we all know that, or we've had that in our lives. We've, we've had a breakthrough or we've had a realization with God or we've had a God moment. And then you look back three months later and you're like, man, God did this thing, or I had this moment with God or this thing with God. And I look back now and I haven't really changed. I haven't really seen growth. Or you look at people who have a God encounter and you, you look at their life and you're just like, I don't, I don't see the fruit. I don't see the growth. I don't see all the things that God has promised happening in their life. We're a, we take on the label of Christians, but uh, we're not extending grace to anybody or we're not extending forgiveness or uh, we're not generous to somebody's life or we don't pray or we don't um, take time to listen. And so it's like, man, you know, I, I understand what you're connecting with, but I don't see it like following through. Uh, we, got, we all love good message on hypocrisy, right? You guys are like, oh, he's going there, right? Everyone's getting so nervous. Like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. At the end, I'm going to have everybody come forward. We're going to confess our sins the ways that we've fallen short. Hey, yeah, listen, the scripture says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the, the glory. We're all in it. So I'm not up here singling anybody out. It's not like we're watching. I'm just, it's helping all of us. It's helping me by going, listen, it's not okay if we're Christ following and we're we're, our eyes on the cross and we're following Jesus, but we're not seeing change and growth and fruit in our life. Amen. But here's the thing. You cannot experience passion for the things of God until, again, you identify with the cross and what Jesus did and what he provided for us true salvation is more than just our ticket to heaven. It's the ability to be able to walk in forgiveness and repentance and restoration. It's being, it's being able to live the things that God provided for us. If what a bummer, if all heaven was, if all the cross was, was just our ticket to salvation, to to heaven. Oh, I came and died on the cross for you. And while you're here, you have to live a pretty crummy life, but eventually you're going to be able to get to heaven. No, when he came and died and shed his blood on the cross, yes, it's for heaven. Yes, it's for eternity, and we'll get there someday, and it's going to be incredible. But now we can live a very heaven-filled life with one another and with our community. Our story can be very God-filled now, amen? Forgiveness and humility and compassion and all of those things is a part of what God did on the cross for us. Just having a knowledge of the cross or Christ or Take up your cross, buddy. Take up your cross. The scripture says that even demons cry, Lord, Lord. Even they know how to say the catchphrases. But but where's like the life substance? Where's the change in it? The evidence that we haven't had that true experience is we allow ourselves to be stuck or caught in the way that we used to be or the same old thinking or the same old patterns. Um, one way that that I can tell we don't have our eyes on the cross is man, we're just staying stuck with the way we used to think or the old negative patterns or the old habits or the old things. If you're in a place where you're saying, man, I just, I keep got these same things. I got the same, I'm stuck in this, I'm stuck in this. I would bet that your walk with God is probably a little too far on the side of maybe tradition or routine than it is encounter and relationship and experience with God. And you say, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? The scripture says, and and I could go on and on and on, but Jesus' promises for you, number one, I would say, the Bible says that God is watching over his word to perform it, meaning all the promises that like we just sang about all the things in scripture that God has for you, God's up in heaven waiting to help you enact those things, put those things in your life. So don't go into a prayer place or don't go into a time with God going, here's my traditional saying, my same old thing. Come into a real relationship prayer with God and go, hey, God, your word promises that, like, I don't have to be stuck in addiction. You know, you're up in heaven waiting to perform these things. I would say get into, like, a real-life encounter moment with God where you're really real instead of maybe going through the same old things you've already prayed. You know, they say, you know, like, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing again and again, expecting a change, you know, a different result. Don't we do that a lot in church or, like, in Christianity? Kind of pray it the same way, do it the same way, do it the same way, and say, God, what, you know, where, where are you in this? Um, I think putting your eyes on the cross instead of like maybe how your background, and I'm not throwing out like theology or how you're raised or any of that stuff. I'm saying if we make it about Jesus and relationship and the cross, I think you're gonna see some of the trickle into your life versus just going through the motions. Amen? Who's with me? Are you guys with me on that? We've experienced that. So chemists, uh, they have this stuff called cyanide. We all probably heard of it. It's obviously extremely poisonous. And, uh, you know, on a jar of cyanide, it has a skull and crossbones. And so, uh, poisonous, hazardous, whatever. And uh, obviously, you, if you consume it, you die. And uh, so what you could do, the thing about cyanide, though, is it smells. They say it smells like an almond jelly. So we could take that jar of cyanide. We could take the label off, and we could put almond jelly on it, and we could put it in the refrigerator. And does that make it any more almond jelly? No, not at all. Because what's on the inside hasn't changed its content. Amen? So many times in our life, in our Christian walk, we do the same thing. Okay, I'm just going to change the label. You know, I'm going to just kind of change the label. I'm going to use my words to to sort of read things a little differently. But on the inside, it's going to be the same thing. I have a guy who I love and am connecting with, and he's going through some struggle. And, uh, And so we talk, you know, and, and, and he's had a lot of hardships kind of in and out of jail. And and I said, Hey dude, um, here for you, believe in you. Let's do this. And he says, yeah, man, I want to, I'm going to change. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be better. And, uh, and he lives quite a ways away. And, and so we just really only get to kind of do this through the phone. And, and so I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be better. You know, I'm going to do better. And he's telling me all these words, essentially the vocabulary of the container is the only thing changing. Amen. (laughs) And so I say, like, hey, dude, um, so, like, what are you doing? You know, like, what's different? Every day, what's different? Like, what's different in your life? Well, i kind of hanging out with the same people. I live in the same place. I work at the same thing. Okay, so the inside, the makeup of who you are every day is the same. It's the same. But the outside, you're just kind of changing with your words. And we do the same thing in our Christian walk. We go, like, God, I, I want to be better. I got these things on the inside of me that I don't like, these habits, these patterns, these things. I want to change And that's as far as it gets. That's as far as it gets. We just sort of change the label on the outside of our lifestyle instead of gutting the things that are on the inside. And the trouble with the gutting part is that's hard. And so gutting, and you're talking about cutting away, and you're talking about, it sounds a lot like taking up our own cross, doesn't it? Sounds like maybe crucifying ourselves. Not I that live, but that Christ live in me. All the things that I want be stripped away for the things that God wants inside me to live. Amen? Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about. To be a person who, who looks to the cross and depends on the cross and, and story is made up with Jesus' story is to be someone who's looking at the cross and all the provisions. Leonard Ravenhill, a great writer, he said, I think that we should build a 15 foot high fence covered in barbed wire and broken glass and put it in front of all of our churches, in front of all of our altars and make it hard for people to come into an encounter with God. Obviously, we would never do that. But the point is this, like coming to Christ and making a light decision, not that salvation is a light decision, but coming to Christ and making a a life change and an incredible decision, that's the beginning of a huge pursuit towards God. And I think salvation is incredible because, yeah, it's one prayer that can change your life in eternity forever. forever. Heaven forever through a prayer of salvation. It's a beautiful and incredible thing, but it's the beginning of taking up a cross and walking like Jesus walked, amen? And so I think, I love what he said. You know, it, it's, a, it's a grind. In order to fully live a powerful, godly life, at some point we must be able to identify with the death part of Jesus. The cross was a model and an example of how we can access the power of God. Romans 633 says, do you not know that as many of us were baptized unto Christ Jesus, were baptized unto his death. So we gained the same things he gave us when he was baptized. Verse 4 Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism unto death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father. Even so, we should also walk in newness of life. It didn't say even so, we also could walk. It says that we should be walking in newness of life. When we come to Christ and we make a connection and we decide to become Christ's followers, and we connect with all of these things. It says the, the result of that is that we should be walking in a newness of life. And I'm not getting up here saying like all of us should be perfect. It didn't say you should be walking in the perfect kind of life. You should be, it's saying you should be walking in a newness of life. The way that you used to be passes away in the, in the God kind of life starts to take place. Amen? Just as Jesus faced death in the cross, we need to be in a place where we can lay down some things to die and put him at the cross to walk in this newness of life. Amen? When you identify with the cross, you say, I recognize it's not about me or my agendas. My agenda needs to go to the cross. The scripture says the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. My encouragement to you as we talk about our story and live in a vertical story and in a story that gives glory unto God, my encouragement to you is that you should be going, like the scripture says, from glory to glory, or like a newness. You, there should be a newness about you. The old habits, the old patterns, the old ways should be passing away, and the newness of Christ in you should be growing continually. Somebody say amen. So those things, it's Paul who said, it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. He still had breath. He still had a heartbeat but he had this understanding in his mind that it's not, it's not my agendas. It's what God wants to do in my life that I'm willing to lay down and give up. A couple of three, three ways that we can live this out. I think that there's three enemies, if you will. There's three enemies of the cross or your cross life uh, that I think try to keep you from accessing the power of the cross. The first one, these are good to write down and study out. The first one, I believe, one thing that deters you from making a connection or accessing um, this understanding of the cross and the power, number one, I think, is status. I think our status holds us back from truly connecting with the way God wants us to live. Many times, it's either where we've come from or where we currently are. That status holds us, well, I could never go after God. I could never pursue God like that. I could never be a part of something like that. I could never surrender this for that because of where I come from, or it's not how I was raised, or it's not what I believe, or I have this status that I need to uphold. But if you look at the scripture, if you talk to people who've done anything incredible for, for Christ or started a ministry, they kind of all got to a point where it was like, man, in order to be obedient, I have to drop my status over here, or I have to drop this over here. there's even a time in scripture where Jesus was like, hey, come follow me. And they said, well, hold on. Before I go do that, we just had a loved one pass away. Um, I need to bury them. And he said, let the dead bury the dead, which you're like, oh my gosh, how insensitive. But I think what was going on there was like, hey, I got this thing, this is is the thing I'm clinging to instead of trusting, I'm clinging. And so oftentimes, one thing that really holds us back is I can never walk out into that deep of water and trust God that much with what he's calling me into because I have to maintain this status. Amen? Often, most of the time, it's, hey, what are you willing to give up to go up, right? What are you willing to give up to go up? This room is full of people who've sacrificed incredible things to be able to go up. Status. And and so we cling to, oh, I need the status. But whose status matters more? Your status with your friends or your circle or your status with God? Your status with your neighborhood and your school and your club or your status with your destiny and your eternity? Amen? So status is one thing that, oh, I can't go that. I can't trust God. I can't access that because I have to maintain this. Lay it down, lay it down. And the trouble is we live in a culture that loves to brag about its status. Isn't it called status on Facebook? (laughs) What's your status? What's your status? Oh, everybody needs to know what I'm doing. Come see my status and all this greatness and all that, and that's fine, I love Facebook. But isn't it interesting that literally our culture pushes, make your status known. And Christ is like, hey, not you that live, me live in you, my thing, be about my thing. Um, so status is something that holds us back. There's a story in scripture where some of the children of Abraham are in a conversation with Jesus. And you know, he's going about his travel. And he basically, there's this conversation about salvation. And they say, hey, we don't need that. We don't need to participate in that. We're the children of Abraham. And Jesus says, listen, your lineage or your connection to the children of Abraham in terms of salvation is no greater than a rock saying I have salvation because I'm connected. We're all connected to the creator, but we all need to have a salvation experience where we identify with what Christ did on the cross. Amen? So just because of how we grew up or what our status is doesn't get you, doesn't automatically qualify you for your right position in the kingdom. Well, I was raised this way. Well, I've done this. And generational inheritance spiritually is a really important thing. We value that. But it's not your ticket to the kingdom of heaven. And it's not how you get seated in your position in the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus even said this, he's in the temple and uh, he's a young boy and he's in the temple and he's talking with some of the teachers and uh, his parents come in and say, Hey, you're supposed to be with me. And his response is, I need to be about my father's business. Why? Because just because he was raised, just because the, uh, you know, the incredible lineage and all that he came from, just because he knew he had to, even as Jesus go get it on his own. His status alone, even for Jesus, wasn't enough. He had to work out, like the scripture says, you have to work out your own salvation. He had to work out his own upbringing and connection and place in his kingdom on earth. The second thing that really holds us back from accessing what God would have for us, number two, is options. Options. We love to hold on to options. You may say like, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice my status. I'm willing to sacrifice this. But I need to keep a bag of options over here because God, he might not know what he's doing. And so I need to hold on to these options. I can't fully trust God. I can't fully step out. I can't fully surrender all of this to him. I need to keep a few things over here in case God can't work it out. He's getting old. He's been around a while. I might need to be able to do this on my own. So options is one of the biggest things that holds you back from walking in what God called you to. And here's the cool thing. Jesus struggled If you're comfortable with me saying that, Jesus, let's say, wrestled with the idea of options. Jesus, on his way to the cross, was in the garden, and the scripture says that he's bleeding sweat. He's in such a a moment here before going to the cross of, uh, and we all know, he says, hey, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, and he's talking about options. Do I have other options? Do I have another way? Do I have another thing? But what, what he ends up saying is, he says, it's not my will, but thy will be done, basically God. I trust you, Heavenly Father. I trust you. I'm not willing to try to find another option or another way to do this. We too often look for our options. Uh, Jesus, we were talking about he even got uh, got brought before the judges, and they were all saying, you know, hey, you know this. And he had all these options. He could have called down angels, he said. He could have done all these things. But he stuck with his call and his plan, and he eliminated options. I'll close with this last thought here. Trav, if you want to come play. Uh, Options, I think, are the hardest part. And a lot of you have heard me say this. We love the scripture that says, trust God and he'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so we love to pray like, oh, give me a peace that passes all understanding. I want to have that peace. I want to have a peace. But what that scripture really means is God can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, meaning you have to be in a place in your life that you have no possible way to equate or add up how God's going to do it. Because it says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. So that means in order to have that peace that surpasses all understanding, you have to put yourself in a position with God where you have no clue how it's going to work out. No status, no options, no other thing, just God just the provision he made for us on the cross. God, I don't know how. I know you've called me to this. I know, you're, I know you've led me into this. I know I heard from you, but I don't know how it's gonna work out. How can I stay in this marriage? We hate each other. We're fighting, the kids. How can we stay here? I don't understand how it's gonna work out. I know I'm called to be in it. God, you told me to stay that faithfully you would see me through it. I know that you said that, but I don't see how it's gonna work out peace that surpasses all understanding. You eliminate status and options and you trust God and all that he did on the cross is for you today. God, I know you called me to start a business. I'm not called to just stay here year after year. I know you put that dream inside my heart. How's it gonna work? How am I gonna do it? I, I, I need stability and, and all those things are important. I'm not telling you to quit your jobs and leave everything. But God's called you to do something. And he's put a dream and a passion inside your heart. And all you've seen is the opposite. Oh, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't see how it's going to add up. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding when you say, God, I trust you. I'm going to be fully obedient to you. And you'll see, you get into those situations where God makes a way when there seems to be no way. So again, I'm not telling you to quit your jobs. I'm not telling you any of that, but I'm telling you be obedient to God, even when you can't add it up or understand it. The third thing that I think really battles or holds us maybe away from the cross in our lives. Number three is probably even the hardest. I would say is loneliness. God's called you to it. He's put the plan in front of you. You have the dream. You have the calling. You have the passion. You have the thing. And then all of a sudden loneliness hits. Jesus is in the garden. He dealt with it. Hey, I'm in the garden. He's got his buddies with him, his disciples. He says, guys, this is a huge night for me. I got this thing come in, the crawl. I got my, I'm stepping into my calling, my destiny. I need you more than ever. Will you stay here and pray? Will you just stay over here and pray? I'm going over here to pray. Will you pray? And the scripture says that they fell asleep on him, left him out to, to dry, left him alone. How often in our lives are we like, God, you've called me into this, you've called me to walk, you've called me into this thing, but I don't want to do it anymore because I don't have anybody with me. I feel alone. I feel hung out to dry. I feel left here. It was more fun when I wasn't following you because I was popular. Yeah, because you were swimming with the stream of all the other fish but right, but right, God, I'm trusting you and I'm walking this way. Your status has to change when you trust God. And so sometimes that puts you in a lonely position because you're not partying like everybody else and you're not doing what everybody else is doing. You're not watching what everybody else is watching and you're not talking like everybody else. But what you're doing is you're living a kingdom, God-filled life. Somebody say amen. It's your vertical story. It's different than other people. It's how we bring glory unto God is when we say, hey, I don't need status. I don't need options. I, 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 I can even be in a place where I'm alone because the scripture promises that he'll never leave you or forsake you. So Jesus is here and they're sleeping. There's also the moment in the same, same basically week for him. He's going to be crucified. And Peter, you know, we had talked about a couple weeks ago, cuts off the guy's ear and he has to tell his buddy, hey, get behind me like that, that wasn't the right move. And so it kind of separates himself from Peter. Um, There's some people in our life that we have to put behind us and able to access what the cross has provided and what our calling has in the way that that thing on the inside of you, where you desire God, I really want to be this and get to this and trust you in this. I really want to get to this, that thing that we all desire. it's always gonna be fought. The enemy's always gonna fight you for that thing. So it's the hardest. And so he's gonna get you with loneliness and status and options and all those things he's gonna try to pull you from. But like I said, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I love the scripture. They've even made it a really cool hymn that says this. When none go with me, I will still follow. Though none go with me, I will still follow. The scripture says about Jesus, he had to tread the wine press alone. Like he just had to get out and grind it, grind it. Sometimes in our lives to get what God has called us to do. Hey, I don't got cheerleaders behind me. I don't got people like giving me a daily verse and encourage me. I'm just in this moment where I feel alone, but it's gonna produce your resurrection story. Jesus walked through these things. He went through the garden. He went to the cross, died three days later. The scripture talks about the most... Miraculous thing that's ever happened in mankind. Not only did he raise from the dead, but he bought back our eternities. The hell, he went to hell, defeated hell, death in the grave, and provided for us eternal life and relationship with our Creator God. Because he made it through these situations. He kept his eyes on his cross. I feel the same thing is for us. We keep our eyes on the cross of Jesus. We keep our eyes on the things that God has called us into. And there'll be resurrection power. The greatest things you could ever experience in your life will come through the cross. Amen. Won't you stand? We're going to drop the lights, and then we're all going to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in here this morning, you say, "Hey, Pastor Josh, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have that relationship or that pursuit of God uh, that I'd like to." You've never made Jesus Lord of your life, let's say. You've never committed your heart to him to be a Christian. We're going to pray a prayer that's going to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to ask you to come out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to to say anything to anybody or nothing like that. You'll stay right where you are. Nobody will be looking around. We're all going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. But what I will ask you to do is when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand. Because I want to be able to just see you and pray for you and connect with you. Again, not going to embarrass you or do anything like that. But I believe the start of your vertical story starts with salvation or making Jesus Lord of your life. And so we'll all pray a prayer together, all of us out loud, and so you won't be singled out. But I want to say this to you. If you're here and you say, I, I feel that tugging in my heart. I need to start a journey of my own cross towards the cross. I need to take up my cross and follow Jesus. You want to become a Christian today? When I count to three, I'll just have you raise your hand. One. One two, three. Anybody in here? See that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're in a room full of people that are believing for you. Anybody else? Cool. So here's what we're going to do. All of us together are going to pray this prayer. You'll repeat after me. The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, essentially, you're on your way to heaven. It's the sinner's prayer. Maybe some have said, What it is, is it's a commitment to be a Christ follower, to saying, I'm letting the old things pass away. I'm choosing new. So let's all pray this out together. Let's say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.